Stories 1 and 2 of St. Andrew's Ghost Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by David Wales. St. Andrew's Ghost Stories by William Thomas Linskill. Story 1 The Beckoning Monk. Many years ago, about the time of the Tay Bridge Gale, I was staying at Edinburgh with a friend of mine, an actor-manager. I had just come down from the paint-room of the theatre, and was emerging from the stage-door, when I encountered Miss Elsie H., a then well-known actress. "'You are just the very person I wanted to meet,' she said. "'Allow me to introduce you to my friend, Mr. Spencer Ashton. "'He's not an actor, he's an artist, "'and he's got such a queer, queer story about ghosts "'and things near your beloved St. Andrews.' "'I bowed to Mr. Ashton, who was a quiet-looking man, "'pale and thin, rather like a benevolent animated hairpin. "'He reminded me somehow of Fred Vokes. "'We shook hands warmly.' "'Yes,' he said, "'my story sounds like fiction, but it is a fact, as I can prove. It is rather long, but it may possibly interest you. Where could we foregather? Come and dine with me at the Edinburgh Hotel tonight at eight. I'll get a private room,' I said. "'Right, oh,' said he, and we parted. That evening at eight o'clock we met at the old Edinburgh Hotel, now no longer in existence, and after dinner he told me his very remarkable tale.' Some years ago, he said, I was staying in a small coast town in Fife, not very far from St. Andrews. I was painting some quaint houses and things of the sort that tickled my fancy at the time, and I was very much amused and excited by some of the bogey tales told me by the fisher folk. One story particularly interested me. And what was that? I asked. Well, it was about a strange dwarfish old man who they swore was constantly wandering about among the rocks at nightfall. A queer, uncanny creature, they said, who was eye-beckoning to them, and who was never seen or known in the daylight. I heard so much at various times and from various people about this old man that I resolved to look for him and see what his game really was. I went down to the beach, times without number, but saw nothing worse than myself, and I was almost giving the job up as hopeless, when one night I struck oil, as the Yankees would say. Good, I said, let me hear. It was after dusk, he proceeded, very rough and windy, but with a feeble moon peeping out at times between the racing clouds. I was alone on the beach. Next moment I was not alone." not alone i remarked who was there certainly not alone said ashton about three yards from me stood a quaint short shriveled old creature at that time the comic opera of pinafore was new to the stage-loving world and this strange being resembled the character of dick deadeye in that piece but this old man was much uglier and more repulsive he wore a tattered monk's robe had a fringe of black hair heavy black eyebrows very protruding teeth and a pale pointed unshaven chin moreover he possessed only one eye which was large and telescopic looking what a horrid brute i said oh he wasn't half so bad after all said ashton though his appearance was certainly against him he kept beckoning to me with a pale withered hand continually muttering come i felt compelled to follow him and follow him i did 
i lit up another pipe and listened intently he took me resumed ashton into a natural cave a cleft in the rocks and we went stumbling over the rocks and stones and splashing into pools at least i did he seemed to get along all right at the far end of this clammy cave a very narrow staircase cut out of solid rock ascended abruptly about twenty or thirty steps then turned a corner and descended again into a large passage then a mighty queer thing happened what might that be i inquired well my guide somehow or other suddenly became possessed of a huge great candlestick with a lighted candle in it about three feet high which lit up the vaulted passage we now stand in the monk's subway he said indeed and who may you be are you a man or a ghost the queer figure turned i am human he said do not fear me i was a monk years ago now i am reincarnate time and space are nothing whatever to me i only arrived a short while ago from naples to meet you here good heavens ashton i said is this all true absolutely true my dear fellow said ashton i was in my sound senses not hypnotized or anything of that sort i assure you on and on we went the little man with his big candle leading the way and i following two or three times the subway narrowed and we had a tight squeeze to get through i can tell you what a rum place i interjected yes it was that said ashton but it got still rummer as we went up and down more stairs and then popped through a hole into a lower gallery and i noticed side passages branching off in several different directions walk carefully and look where you tread said my monkish guide there are pitfalls here be very wary then i noticed at my feet a deep rock-hewn pit about two feet wide right across the passage what is that for i asked to trap intruders and enemies said the little monk look down i did so and i saw at the bottom in a pool of water a whitened skull and a number of bones we passed four or five such shafts in our progress upon my word this beats me altogether i interpolated it would have beaten me altogether if i had fallen into one of those traps said ashton suddenly the close damp fungus sort of air changed and i smelt a sweet fragrant odor i smell incense i said to the monk it is the wraith or ghost of a smell he said there has been no incense hereaway since fifteen forty six there are ghosts of sounds and smells just as there are ghosts of people we are here surrounded by spirits but they are transparent and you cannot see them unless they are materialized but you can feel them hush hark said the monk and then i heard a muffled sound of most beautiful chiming bells the like i never heard before what is that the old bells of st andrew's cathedral that is the ghost of sounds long ago ceased and the monk muttered some latin then all of a sudden i heard very beautiful chanting for a moment or more then it died away that is the long-dead choir of monks chanting vespers remarked my guide sadly at this period the monk and i entered a large rock-hewn chamber wide and lofty in it there were numerous huge old iron clamped chests of different sizes and shapes 
these said the monk are packed full of treasures jewels and vestments they will be needed again some day above us now there are ploughed fields but long ago right over our heads there existed a church and monastery to which these things belonged he pointed with a skinny claw of a hand to one corner of the chamber there he said is the staircase that once led to the church above ashton stopped and lit a cigar and then resumed well on we went again turning twisting going up steps round corners through more holes and stepping over pitfall shafts it was a loathsome and gruesome place out of a side passage i saw a female figure glide quickly along she was dressed as a bride for a wedding and then she disappeared fear not said the monk that is mirren of hepburn's tower the white lady she can materialize herself and appear when she chooses but she is not reincarnate as i am well after we had gone on it seemed for hours as i have described the monk paused i fear i must leave you he said suddenly i am wanted before i go take this and he placed in my hand a tiny gold cup delicately chased it is a talisman and will bring you good luck always he said keep it safe i may never see you again here but do not forget then i was alone in black darkness he and his candle had vanished in a second quite alone in that awful prison heaven only knows how far below the ground i could never have gone back and i feared to go forward i was entombed in a worse place than the roman catacombs with no hope of rescue as it was unknown and forgotten by all what a fearful position to be in i said i should think it was said ashton the awful horror of it i can never forget as long as i live i was absolutely powerless and helpless i had lost my nerve and i screamed aloud in an agony of mind i had some matches and these i used at rare intervals crawling carefully and feeling my way along the slimy floor of the passage i had a terrible feeling too that something intangible but horrible was crawling along after me and stopping when i stopped i heard it breathing i struck a match and it was lucky for i just missed another of those pitfalls by the light of the match i saw a small shrine in an alcove which had once been handsomely ornamented my progress forward was suddenly stopped by a gruesome procession of skeleton monks all in white they crossed the main subway from one side passage and entered another their heads were all grinning skulls and in their long bony fingers they bore enormous candles which illuminated the passage with a feeble blue glare it's awful i remarked on and on i slowly went it seemed hours and hours i was exhausted and hungry and thirsty after a time i passed through open oak nail-studded doors that were rotting on their hinges and then then i saw a sight so horrible that i would never mention it to anyone i dare not i may know its meaning some day i hope so what on earth was it i inquired eagerly for heaven's sake let me go on and do not ask about it said ashton turning ghastly pale the horror of the whole thing so upset me that my foot slipped and i fell down what seemed to be a steep stairway as i struck the bottom i felt my left wrist snap and i fainted 
when i regained my senses for a brief moment i found that the white lady bearing a taper was bending kindly over me she had a lovely face but as pale as white marble she laid an icy cold hand on my hot brow and then all was darkness again now listen next time i came to myself and opened my eyes i was out of the accursed passage i saw the sky and the stars and i felt a fresh breeze blowing oh joy i was back on the earth again that i knew i staggered feebly to my feet and where on earth do you think i found i had been lying i cannot guess i said just inside the archway of the old pen's gateway at st andrews said ashton how on earth did you get there heaven knows said ashton i expect the white lady helped me somehow it all seemed like a fearful nightmare but i had the gold cup in my pocket and my broken wrist to bear testimony to what i had gone through to make a long story short i went home to my people where i lay for six long weeks suffering from brain fever and shock i always carry the cup with me i am not superstitious but it brings me good luck always ashton showed me the monk's gold cup it was a beautiful little relic did you ever examine the place where you entered the passage i asked oh yes he replied i went there some years afterwards and found the cave but it was all fallen in now by jove it's very late thanks for the dinner i must be off good night i lit a pipe and pondered over that curious story the entrance to the passage in the cave has fallen in the exit from it in st andrews is unknown to ashton only the white lady knows on the whole the story is wrapped in mystery and does not help one much to unravel the wonders that lie in underground st andrews we may know some day or never end of story one story two the hauntings and mysteries of lowstreet castle it is many years ago since i was on a walking tour in the highlands far to the north of bonnie glenshee and when on the moorlands i was overtaken for my sins by a regular american snowstorm a genuine blizzard of the most pronounced type i struggled along as well as i could for some considerable time and then i became aware that someone was beside me it was a young highland lassie with a plaid over her head i was pleased to learn from her that her name was jean that she was the niece of a neighbouring innkeeper and that she would speedily convey me to his haven of rest we trudged along in the blinding snow without a word and i was more than thankful to the lassie when i at last found myself out of the snow in a nice little sanded parlour with a glorious fire of peat and logs blazing on the hospitable hearth a glass of something hot brought by mine host was most welcome i found there was one other storm-strayed traveller in the wee house an old family butler whose name i discovered was jeremiah anklebone he had been on a visit to relations in the north and had been caught in the snow like myself we were thankful to find such a warm cosy chanting on such an inclement evening and to use a scots term we foregathered at the ingle inside he asked me if i knew much about spirits to which i replied that i had just had a glass but he at once explained that although not averse to toddy he alluded to spirits of another nature 
viz ghosts banshees boggards and the like i told him i had frequently been in so-called haunted places in various countries but had never seen or heard anything except owls bats rats or mice he ventured the remark i had often heard before that i could not be receptive and i told him i was thankful that i was not he was a fine old fellow an ideal family butler and doubtless the recipient of many family secrets he had big mutton-chop whiskers and a bald head and looked as if he had served turtle soup all his life but it was not soup he was soaked with he seemed fairly saturated with spook lore he informed me quite calmly that he was gifted with the remarkable faculty of seeing apparitions demons etc i could not help remarking that it seemed a very unpleasant faculty to possess but he quite differed with me and got as warm as his toddy on the subject i shall not in a hurry forget that wild evening in the highland inn before that blazing fire or the wonderful narrations i heard from butler anklebone space precludes me from putting down here all the marvels he revealed to me it seemed all his life he was sixty-two he had been gasping like a fish on a river's bank to get into a really well-haunted house but had utterly failed till he took the post of head butler at lousdry castle which he informed me was but a short distance from st andrews he gave me a most tremendous description of the old castle and from his account it seemed to be the asylum and gathering place of all the bogies in britain and elsewhere congregated together there were the ice-maid the brown lady a headless man a called lad a black maiden the flaming ghost the wandering monk a ghost called silky old martha a radiant bay an iron knight a creeping ghost jumping jock old no-legs great eyes a talking dog the corby craw a floating head a dead hand bleeding footprints and many other curious creatures far too numerous to mention the castle he said was full of uncouth and most peculiar sights and sounds including rappings hammerings shrieks groans crashings wailings and the like what a remarkable place i said to mr butler anklebone and how do you account for so many spectres in so limited an area oh there is no time or space for them he said they are earthbound spirits and can go from one part of the globe to another in a second but they have their favorite haunts and meeting-places just as we folks have and lousdry seems to appeal to their varied taste he then went on to tell me some details of the haunted castle there are supposed to be he said beneath the castle splendid old apartments dungeons winding passages and cellars but history states that any of those persons who tried to investigate these mysteries returned no more so the entrances were walled up and are now completely lost sight of there is a built-up chamber but no one durst open it the penalty being total blindness or death and such cases are on record there is also a coffin-room, shaped exactly like its name. But one of the queerest places at Lousdry is a small apartment with a weird light of its own. At night this room can be seen from the old garden, showing a pale, uncanny, phosphorescent glow. Mr. Snaggers, uh, that's the footman, and I unlocked the door and examined the place carefully. 
there is a table a sofa and a few old chairs therein and an all-pervading sickly light equally diffused the furniture throws no shadow whatever the room seemed very chilly and there was a feeling as if all one's vitality was being sucked out of one's body and drawing one's breath caused pain snaggers felt the same no one could live long in that eerie apartment i know we were glad to lock it up again then there is a spiral stair called meg's leg i don't know the legend but almost every night one hears her leg stumping up these steps what a creepy place it must be to be sure i murmured gravely yes said anklebone and i tell you sir snaggers and i generally arranged to go up to bed together one always felt there was something coming up the stairs behind one when a person stopped it stopped also and one could hear it breathing and panting but nothing was to be seen snaggers said one night when the candle went out he saw monstrous red eyes but i saw nothing then the creeping creature i only saw twice it was like an enormous toad on spider's legs they say it has a human head and face but i only saw its back some folks say it is alive and not a ghost and that it hides somewhere in the cellars but we never could get a trace of it one night i was going down to the service room when my way was barred by a ghastly tall figure with great holes where eyes should have been so i just shut my eyes and rushed through it downstairs when i got down i found all my clothes were covered with a vile sickly smelling sticky sort of oil and i had to destroy them all go on please i said you astonish me vastly yes he said slowly it's all very queer lousdry is haunted and no mistake snaggers and i shared the same room one night a great blood-stained hand and arm came round the corner of the bed curtain and tried to grab me it was dead ice cold too then a thing an invisible thing used to patter into the room puffing and groaning and get under the bed and heave it up but we looked and there was never anything there and the door locked too we saw a great black corkscrew thing one night fall from the ceiling onto the floor and disappear and then there was a mighty rush along the passage outside the door a great crash a yell and a groan dying away far below there was a humorous spirit also the iron knight we called him uncle he was up to tricks we didn't mind him when the fat cook was sitting down to a meal he'd pull back her chair and down she would come with a rare crash if any of the maids upset a tray of tea-things or fell downstairs with the kettle or knocked over the great urn they used to say ah that's uncle again i told him mr anklebone that i was delighted there was a touch of comedy in such a gruesome place as i preferred comedians to ghosts any day one thing i learnt from his story and that was that if he was head butler at lawstreet castle the head ghost was sir guy ravelstock whose portrait still hung in the old picture gallery the castle dated back to norman times but about fourteen fifty seven it fell into the hands of this sir guy ravelstock who had been educated at the stadium general or university of st andrews 
he and his two friends geoffrey de beaumanoir and roger le courville held high revel and carnival in the old halls of lowestry and were the terror of the whole countryside sir guy was a dissolute fellow a gambler and everything else bad the neighbours alleged that he had sold himself to old nick he would spill blood as if it was water and he and his white steed nogo were well known all over fife and the lothians he was held to be a freebooter a wizard and a warlock a highwayman a pirate and a general desperado he had slain many men in mortal combat and was found invulnerable he must have been a sort of michael scott of bowery i remarked he must have been a holy terror said the butler i've seen him often exactly like his portrait in the picture gallery i've seen him in his old world dress with his sword hanging at his side sometimes on his white horse and sometimes on foot there were always terrible knockings, shrieks and crashes before he appeared and all our dogs showed the greatest terror i slept in an old four-poster bed and he used to draw aside the curtain and glare at me constantly he nearly always was accompanied by the spectre of a negro carrying his head under his arm sir guy was a great traveller in foreign lands and i have been told used to bring back all sorts of curious animals and insects with him perhaps that great toad thing i saw was one of the creatures i've heard toads live for ages i said i believed that was quite true i found a queer place one day said anklebone i was going up the turret staircase and found some of the steps moved back i got mr snaggers and darkgood the gardener and we tugged them out we called the master and then we found narrow steps going down to a locked door we forced it open and got into a stone chamber there were skulls and bones all over the place most of them belonged to animals but there was a horrible thing on the floor a sort of mummified vampire bat with huge teeth and enormous outstretched wings like thick parchment and four legs perhaps it was a regular vampire they fanned folks to sleep with their great wings and then sucked their blood dry we cleared out the room and buried all the things in a wood now said anklebone i will tell you the end of sir guy ravelstock he brought back with him from them foreign parts a nigger servant and they called him the apostle well one night continued anklebone he and his chum were dining and full of wine and the apostle offended them somehow and sir guy stabbed him then they chained his hands and feet together took him to the dungeon and filled his mouth nose and ears full of clay and left him that is the nigger ghost i saw always with sir guy the murdered negro about two years after sir guy and his friends were in the same room drinking when there came a great hammering at the castle door sir guy drew his sword flung open the door and plunged out into the darkness a few moments passed then his friends rushed out on hearing wild unearthly shrieks but there was no sir guy to be seen he had totally disappeared and was never heard of or seen in life again we found his remains three years ago but i will tell you of that directly one day snaggers and i had gone to st andrews to buy things we were just at the end of south street when a horseman dashed past us at full gallop 
heavens said snaggers it's sir guy as i live he went bang into the big iron gates at the cathedral when we came up the great gates were locked and there was sir guy leaning up against the west gable scowling at us but the white horse had gone and he melted away as we looked i saw him again with the negro at magus muir and alone one dark night in north street i was alone one evening in the room below the banquet hall at lowsdry and i heard a pattering on the table on looking up i saw a stain in the ceiling and drops of blood were dropping down on the table and the floor the room above was the very place where the negro was stabbed next morning we went into the room where i saw the blood drip and there was the mark of a bloody hand on the table but no stain on the roof now for the discovery i had often dreamed about an old overgrown well there was in the gardens and felt very suspicious of what might be therein then the gardener and the woodman told me they had frequently seen the awful spectre of sir guy and the apostle hovering round about the thicket that enclosed what was known as the haunted well and then vanish in the brushwood without disturbing it i felt sure that there lay the mystery of sir guy ravelstock this idea was soon after confirmed by a curious occurrence one morning snaggers was dusting an old oil painting over the huge mantelpiece and above the weeping stone in the great hall when somehow or other he contrived to touch a secret spring and the painting flew back open in its frame and revealed a chamber beyond we sent for master and got down by some steps into the room such a queer place it was octagonal in shape and there had been either a great fire or an explosion there the vaulted stone roof and floor were all blackened and cracked and the fireplace and wood panelling were all burnt and charred perhaps the chapel i remarked that is what master said replied the butler and there were remains of burnt tapestry charred wood and documents all over the stone floor master got one piece of burnt paper with faded writing on it in some foreign tongue the odd thing was the big picture the eyes were sort of convex like and two holes were bored in the pupil of each of its eyes so that any one standing up on top of the stone stairs could see all that took place in the great hall below and hear also master took the piece of parchment and managed to make out a few words they were i am sure that ravelstock lies in the cold priors well with the dead nigger servant we placed there i would not go near that spot for my life heaven grant it may not come for me i must leave the place that was all he could decipher on the burnt paper we must explore that priors well evidently that is its name to-morrow morning said our master we were all up at dawn and got all the men available to cut down the shrubs bushes and undergrowth round the well the growth of ages when the well was exposed it looked very like the holy well at st andrews only it had been very finely carved and ornamented at one time the entrance was a norman archway and the remains of an oak door still hung there we found a shallow bath-shaped pool of muddy water inside and a lot of broken stones and bits of old statues and glass 
at the far end was a large square opening a few feet above the pool of water we of course made for this and found there was a cell beyond the whole well on one side was riven and rent either by lightning or the effects of an earthquake shock if that ancient well could have spoken it would have told us as queer tales as st rule's tower at st andrews there was a most curious overpowering sickening odour inside the place like a vault or charnel house i remarked that i knew no smells worse than acetylene gas or the awful smell i unearthed when digging long ago opposite the st andrews cathedral well said anklebone i can't imagine a worse odour than there was beside that prior's well it turned us all so faint we had to get some brandy we got into the far cell and there were two skeleton bodies on the flagged floor one was a blanched skeleton as far as the neck but the skull was well preserved and matted black hair still clung on it and round the jaws all the teeth were in their place some rings had fallen from the bony fingers and a sword all eaten away by rust lay beside the skeleton the other was like a mummified ape of a dark oak colour the nails on the fingers and toes being quite perfect chains also almost worn away hung round the feet and hands good heavens said master it is sir guy ravelstock and the murdered apostle there was no doubt of that whatever we had them removed and buried at once the mystery was solved after all these long years the nigger had been placed there but the mystery of sir guy was inexplicable who came for him that night when he rushed out of the door of lowstry castle centuries ago with his sword and who carried him to his doom in the friar's well no one can answer that terrible question now oh that the old well could speak and reveal its secret End of story two.